It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi everyone and uh, welcome to the latest edition of Grecian's Gossip. I'm joined by the usual suspects, David Byron. Hello. Jamie Hawkins. Hello. Dan Clark. Hello. Um, a few things to discuss today. I guess the obvious starting point is uh, Exeter City's 1-1 draw with Luton Town. David, you went to the game. 1-1, is that a fair result? Probably, yeah. Uh, both both sides have good chances. Um, City sat back a little in the first half and, and allowed Luton to, to control the ball and they didn't really... They didn't really test City too much. They had a couple of good opportunities, but nothing, nothing too too major. With uh, Bobby Lesnick making one good save in particular, then City a bit more adventurous in the second half, and uh, and it seemed to seemed to work quite well. And uh, you know they they got their noses in front, and then Luton threw the kitchen sink at them a little, and it caused a a little panic at the back with with Bobby Lesnick spilling two crosses in particular. But um, so it wasn't too much of a surprise when when Luton equalised seven minutes later. But um, you know, I, I think City can look back on it as a, a point well gained and a point well earned and and a deserved one at least. What are your thoughts on it, Jamie? I mean, it's a pretty solid result for most teams, I guess, in the division. Yeah, I watched the highlights. We seem to play pretty well. Um, looking back at you know results elsewhere is quite an important point because we might have fallen out of the, the playoffs otherwise it's still very tight of course but I think we said the other day uh, you know how important it could be a, a result against a good team I think there's a good crowd though as well wasn't it so yeah I think they all knew the importance of it and um, you know we could look back in, in May and see it as a vital point mm. Dan you happy with the point as well is that point gained think? I think it's a kind of yes yeah, definitely a a point game. Luton, it's a, they're a good team and one of, one of the better teams in this division. It's a, it's a tough place to go and I think you could offer pretty much any City fan a point before the game that would snap your hand up and said, yeah, we'll take that you know, and move on. You know, it's a, Some of the other results perhaps didn't go quite as well for Exeter as they have in recent weeks, but it's still you know, a point away to Luton. It's uh, other than uh, Doncaster away, it's the toughest of the, the the games at the back end of the season, and to come away from that without a diff, without losing as well, sort of, and also not allowing Luton to gain any more points on you in that playoff race, it's definitely a a point a point gained rather than two points dropped. Mm-hmm. And I think with uh, with Portsmouth losing to Stevenage, it, it keeps the the automatic promotion hope mm-hmm. alive a little. You know, seven points now. I mean, a win would have really sort of put put them back into it, but um, yeah, you, you know, you, you still got to have half a, half an eye on that that third spot. I think after the draw. Do we think that's still a realistic realistic goal of cities? Um, hmm. I think I think right now, if you offered most fans the playoffs, they would seventh place. They would take that. I think you know, it's still you still got to go for it. I think you know, you look at Carlisle, they're completely. Collapsing. I mean, they might fall out of the playoffs altogether. Six, game, six going games in, in a row. Yeah, scoring now, so they shocking. look as if you know they're they're there to be shot at, Carlisle. And you'd be the way they're playing at the minute. They aren't going to make the playoffs, and you sort of feel that that's one one team ticked off your list. Mm. Taking on, I suppose, it's seven points with eight games to, to go. 
I mean, it's going to be a tough ask, I think, for Exeter to get automatic promotion. I mean, you'd be looking, you'd probably be needing seven wins out of eight, I think, you know, realistically, that kind of form to get third. Can we see Exeter doing that? Perhaps not, I don't think. But if everyone else keeps slipping up around and teams keep taking points off each other, then there's still a chance of the pla- of automatic promotion. But I suspect, you know, Paul Tisdale's main aim would be playoffs. And if automatic comes a, as a result of a great late season charge, then great. But make sure you get seventh at, at worst. Mm-hmm. What do you think it says about City that they can go away to Luton, you know, good team and, and battle out a kind of resilient 1-1 draw? I think it's quite a confidence boost. You know, you look at the defence recently, it has been a little shaky, but to, to go to Luton, not, not an easy place, and sort of stand up to the pressure they were put under, it, it does it does both quite well, in, in, especially with, with losing Jordan Moore-Taylor so early on, because, uh, you know, him and Troy Brown have formed such a good partnership. For Luke Kroll to come on so early and, and, and sort of, just settle into the game quite well. That that sort of bodes well as well, um, and uh, it, it's a, obviously obviously a hostile place to go to Kenilworth Road, and I think to to come away with a point and and you know although although I'm sure they would have been eyeing up all three when they went ahead, to still come away with a point it, it, it does sort of I think it does it does sort of bode well and, and sort of reflect well on, on how the defence played. Mm. You mentioned Jordan Moore Taylor. We saw him go off very early on with that. Nasty facial injury. Have you heard any more on that front? Um, not too much, really. I, I did speak to Paul Sizzler this morning, and he wasn't a hundred hundred percent sure what the extent of the injury was. It, he did have stitches to the, to the I think it was at the sort of top of his head. Um, so it, it really depends on on what what it's like. You know, if it's just sort of cosmetic stitches, he might be okay to play on play on Saturday with the you know with a bandage or something like that. But. Uh, like we've already seen from this season with Luke Kroll, um, who who was out for about two months due to taking a, a bang on the head, that it's obviously a complex part of the body and it's not always guaranteed how long it will take a player to recover from, really. So uh, you can't really be too sure, I don't think. Mm. Jamie, how big a loss do you think it would be if Mortola was out for a little bit? Uh, huge. I think, you know, I think we've said before how solid um, he and Troy Brown have been, particularly along with... Woodman and Stacey and um, you know I know Krog seemed to do well on Saturday um, other than that I'm just trying to think of who else we've really got centre-back wise uh, Pierce Sweeney could slot, could slot yeah, in there slot them around. interestingly enough it, um, Paul Tisdale did sort of send Ethan Ampadu to warm up with Luke Kroll I think he was you know caught in two minds about which player to send on maybe so uh, mm-hmm. we could well see Ampadu involved on Saturday I suppose mm. but you know, you're not just missing the centre back. It's the captain still. You know, it's the leader who's um, going to be missing. So, yeah, hopefully it's not a, a bad one because it's this time of the season when you need, you know, your, your captain and especially centre back to be to be playing. Mm. You mentioned Luke Kroll as well. I mean, yeah, you know, he's missed a chunk of the season through injury, and I perhaps hasn't hasn't been the best performer for City this season coming for a bit of criticism but by all accounts did really well at the weekend from, from what we've heard yeah well it was an away game and he he does always play fun in away mm-hmm. games it's, it's um, a bizarre one that most City fans probably don't rate him because they only see him play at home and he's not had a decent game at home but away from home he has looked very solid and uh, you know he slotted in quite comfortably with, with Troy Brown he, he sort of played his way back into the game quite nicely Oh, you know, it's never easy to come on as a sub so early. 
but he, he, he played his way into the game and uh, didn't really look that troubled. But when, when he first came on playing against Danny, uh, Danny Hilton, he's obviously a sort of a big target man, a big physical presence. I, I was quite worried, but he, he sort of acquitted himself well. And uh, the the key for him now is to keep this form up. It's something that he's, he has obviously struggled to do this season. But, you know, if, if he does have to play on Saturday, then, then fingers crossed he can finally break that St. James's Park hoodoo he's got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that, Jamie, as a, as a City fan, if you saw Luke Crowell starting on Saturday? Um, I guess at the moment, if you say Jordan's out, it would be between him and, and Ampadu, and I guess Nair have had much game time recently. Um, and Ampadu, you know, we all saw him start so well at the start of the season. Um, but then he hasn't played, you know, too much, I don't think. So, um, yeah, it'd be a difficult one because the last home game he played, Luke Crowley had a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare. Um, but yeah, if he did well on Saturday, then not that obviously give him the confidence. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult one, I think, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose um, you, you kind of feel that, given that if Paul Tisdale thought Crowell was the best alternative on Saturday and he's come on, he's played well, then it's going to be it's going to be harsh on him to then drop out of the side if Moore Taylor isn't fit on the you know he's done wouldn't would have done nothing wrong to be dropped and was the best option I suppose the only thing whether Porter is still thinking that possibly that you know what kind of reaction you might get from the crowd if say Luke Kroll has another poor performance at the end or what kind of lift it might be if Ethan Ampadu starts that's the kind of thing that just might give that crowd a little bit of an extra lift, a little bit of a buzz around the place to see them starting, and that might be, you know, an additional edge you might need if your captain is is unavailable. But I would, I'd expect if Morteo isn't fit, Kroll to start on Saturday, given that he doesn't seem, you know, he hasn't done anything to deserve to be dropped. I mean, he, he, at some stage you feel he's going to be able to. To replicate the away performances at St James's Park, or feel that he should be able to at the very least, if you know, I'm guessing he's looking long term as well. Kroll, where is where's he going to be playing his football next season? I can't see it being at Crystal Palace, so he's got to be sort of eyeing up what kind of level, what kind of club's going to come in for me, and if he can put together two or three decent performances in more tailored absence, then Bortisdale might be thinking of making the loan permanent, I suppose. Free transfer end of the season as a as an option to have around the squad if the first choice centre backs aren't available. And let's not forget that uh, Crowell has been keeping a fully fit Troy Archibald Hember out of the squad completely. Which I mean, are you sure he's fully fit? From yeah. everything Paul Pizzo says, he's fully fit, and he has been playing reserve games as well. So um, you know, as far as I'm aware, he is fully fit, and everyone knows what a good player he is on his day. Although it's a bit been a complete unknown quantity this season with just 10 minutes of first team mm-hmm. football but uh, so Paul Tisdale you know he obviously rates Troyes Warhamville very highly but you know he must see quite a bit in Luke Kroll to, to put him into the, the squad and keep him on the subs bench instead of mm. instead of Troy Why do you think he uh, put Luke Kroll on rather than Ampadu David is kind of worth a very big bit of a bear pit do you think and no place for a young lad like Ampadu or I think so yeah uh, partly that I think partly um, you know, Kroll uh, is, I wouldn't go as far to say twice the size of Ampadu, but you know, he's a, a little taller than Ampadu. And although Ampadu has acquitted himself well with 
we're playing against sort of big strikers and, and big target men. I think playing against Danny Hilton, who's a player with with sort of a few tricks of the trade, that sort of thing, as, as we saw from the from the game against Luton at St James's Park, where he blatantly dived to win a penalty in the opening few minutes. I think you know Kroll's probably a bit more got a bit more sort of experience of dealing with that. Probably you know a bit more experience with league football and and, and uh, perhaps it was a little too soon to send Abadou on. You know if if he, if they'd need a, a defender maybe with with thirty minutes left, then they might have sent Abadou on or even put him in midfield. But um, I think Abadou might have just come along to the squad, come along in the squad, maybe to get a bit of experience of, of that sort of hostile atmosphere. To be honest and you know, when you look at the, the other subs, uh, Porteous are made, sending on uh, Jordan Tilson in midfield and, and Matt Oakley in midfield, and I'm not sure if he if he ever sort of was really intending to use Ampadu if he was there, sort of more to get an experience of what the atmosphere is like in a game like that. Sure, okay. Well, at this point, should we um, give Paul Tisdale's reaction to the game a quick listen to? I'll see what he has to say about it and then um, come back and have a word about it afterwards. We put a lot of effort in it. It was a really, really tough game. I'll make you the judge of whether we deserved it or not. We, um, I think we played, committed really hard as a team and showed a lot of spirit. And there was an early change with Jordan Mortada going off after what was it, a minute or two. I mean, well, the, the injury was a minute or two. So um, we had our issues today, but we played against a good team. Great game of football. Um, went ahead, but I, I'm 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 satisfied. I'm satisfied with the performance, with the point, and moving on to the next game. Can you just tell us about Jordan Mortello? Is he okay? What's the injury? It looked a little bit slight, like a real nasty bang in the head. Yeah, bang in the head and required stitches. I don't know how many. I've not seen him, but um, required a lot of stitches, and um, I think he was just shell shocked for a minute, really. So. Um, when it's a centre back, it's 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 a, it's a it's a dangerous game. Waiting for him to come back out, it might be five, ten, fifteen minutes. We couldn't afford that, so um, I had to make the change. And Luke Kroll did well, didn't he? It's always very difficult to come on so early in the game. Yeah, I mean, we we actually we congratulated him afterwards because, um, and that's I suppose as a substitute, you need to be ready for that eventuality. You don't always come on for a tactical change, sort of 70, 80 minutes. You know, he came on today, second, third, fourth minute. And um, he's been training very, very hard, and he's been playing reserve games, and he's committed to those, and um, he thoroughly deserved his performance today. Fast forward the first half, second half was absolutely full of incident, and, and the goal was just breathtaking counter-attacking football. Really good, uh, really good finish. I mean, we'd had the we'd had the the chance before, the similar position with Ruben, that had the rebound and the ball over the bar, which which you know I don't think Ruben would uh, miss from there too often. And um, it was a similar position, but Jake Taylor I thought was brilliant again today. Um, and you know, when I needed that brightness and that reaction, you know, he, he ended up playing up front before he came off. You know, fatigued. He he he, he was he, he had a really really top game today, and, and so did others. Lloyd James and it was one or two other had really really good games today. What about the, the the substitutions you made in Jordan Tilson and Matt Oakley? They came on to solidify central midfield and both. Look to shore up um, Luton's attacking threat after they equalised. Well, Luton changed their shape as you, you would have recognised and put three players up front, went back to front, and the game suddenly went from one end to the other very quickly. And yeah, as a manager, the, the um, changes were often about just putting players into position where you think the ball's going to be and filling spaces. You know, it's about making sure there's no big holes in the. And it's, it's, sometimes it's not anything more clever than that. And uh, 
there's no one better to come on and play in front of the back for them at Oakley and, he, and he, what, what he did is when we did win the ball back he then slowed it down and got us passing the ball which gave us again a chance and I thought we had four or five really good um, positions where we got the ball at our feet with Ollie Watkins or other players in the final third didn't quite didn't quite turn it into a, into a, a, a shot or a, a chance but um, you know I, I'm, I'm really pleased with the way the players play there are lots of, lots of mistakes today and um, and, and things went, you know, went against plan, and we, we gave the ball away, and people miscontrolled. But as a team, we played fully committed. They all together. They tried really hard. They defended their goal. They they, they just they just played like a really good team, and um, um, it was a frenetic game, a really good one, but a frenetic game. And I'm I'm, I'm pleased with the point. All players, I think, will leave today pretty satisfied. They've given everything. Weeks rest now, and then uh, home derby against Yeovil. Yeah, I mean Jordan will tell us just had a had a rest for the afternoon, so um, hopefully he'll <laughs> be he'll be ready to go next week after having a weekend off, um, and all the all the others will um will will have a day off tomorrow, and we've got a reserve game this week again. We, we want a reserve game once a week to keep all those those players who are, who are on who are the next in ready, as Luke did today, you know, to step in. So we've got a whole 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 team of players really who, who need to be ready just to, to jump in at the next the next opportunity. So we want to keep them keep them ready that's, that's possibly a priority this week because of the next eight games it's going to be, uh, there'd be there'd be players having to come in and do what Luke did today all the time Right there we go so we've had um, had listened to what Paul Tisdale had to say about the game a few things to, to touch on I and mean, again he mentioned the um, performance of Luke Kroll afterwards and just how well he sort of stepped in also some words about um, Jake Taylor as well and to how, how he played David what did you uh, make of that? Yeah well for me Jake Taylor is probably you know, he's got a really good shout of being City's player of the season. He's just so consistent, and he continued that on on Saturday. You know, I think he he probably covered every blade of grass on the pitch. He, one minute he was playing centre midfield, next minute he was right wing, next minute he was left back, and then he ended up playing up front for about five minutes. And uh, the the goal he scored was a really good goal, really good finish, and it was a similar position to a chance Ruben Reed had about ten minutes earlier. Uh, Reed slipped with the with the first shot, which was. Uh, blocked and the ball came straight back to him and he fired over but you know Drake Taylor sort of showed him how it's done with a, a really nice finish into the bottom corner and uh, yeah you know he was probably one of the, the best players on the pitch on the day and it was a game that really sort of suited his his sort of tenacious side and his sort of really never say die attitude by just you know throwing himself into tackles and, and winning the ball and uh, yeah you know he, he sort of run out of of superlatives of the way Jake Taylor's been playing this season, I think. Jamie, Jake Taylor, player of the season, would you go along with that? Um, up there, definitely. I think he's, you know, that player who drives the team forward. Um, you know, compared to the other sort of central midfielders you've got, um, you know, Lloyd James, Mowgli, Tilson, Harley, none of them, I don't think, really drive uh, the team forward as much as he does in terms of pace um, you know like David says he, he'll run his socks off all day um, gives absolutely everything um, and he's got a goal in him as well I'm trying to remember a, f- a few goals he scored um, there's one at Barnet like a 25 year old screamer he, he can hit it as well. he seems to do that quite a lot scores he doesn't get he got a lot of a lot of goals but there's often some long range strikes there's one against Hull I think 35 yards right in the top corner you know I I think he's trying to claim the one from Tuesday night against Cheltenham as well it's not quite in the same (laughs) in the same league but you know 
and sort of that's I suppose you know what he does add. He adds like, goals from that <coughs> central midfield position and that drive forward, which sort of with the, the, a lot of the other city midfielders you don't get. I think James has just got the one. Tilson, Oakley, I don't think they they haven't got any goals this season. Harley has only got two or three goals. You know, a couple of them and a couple of penalties as well. So it is something City do lack. You know, sort of goals from around the team. You look around the side and you've got goals from Watkins and Reed and Wheeler but then other than Taylor there's not a lot of, you know and actually gets on the score sheet regularly from that midfield from the defence and sort of the drive and the you know he's always seems to be willing to take shots from outside the box as well take you know take a chance that some of the other players don't necessarily doesn't always come off but when you've got the ability to, to smash the ball into the back and at the net and fit from 25 yards out it's you know an option to take and you know he's He's sort of grown and grown into this midfield role all season. When he came back into the side last season, sort of to start with, he looked a, a little bit lightweight, a little bit like, you know, he didn't, wasn't going to make it, but then quickly established position in the last season on the right wing, keeping David Wheeler out of the side for quite for a long period this season. And then he moved into the centre and, you know, you'd almost say right now, he's up there with one of the first names on the team sheet every every week. and. He's played virtually every single game this season, other than he's missed a couple through suspension. I think he's only missed one other game. He's even played in some of the the Czech trade trophy ties as well. So he's played pretty much every minute of the season, and yeah, it's, a, it's a great effort from a from a central midfielder with the way he plays as well to be able to achieve that. And he, I was looking at the stats earlier this season. Stats, I think he's committed the most fouls of any City player as well. So he gets stuck in as well, which. Yeah. You know, I think from the fans' perspective, sometimes they can be critical of the players, like you know, to get stuck in and tackle them. But he certainly does that. Yeah, I think he got suspended. He picked up more well, perhaps like booking for five yellow cards early in the season. And I can't remember the last time a City player was suspended due to accumulation of mm-hmm. of cards. I think he's on eight. Yeah, he's still on eight yellow cards. So he's it's got a little bit dangerous. Still got two or three games. He's got to avoid picking up another couple of yellows and get that two match ban. But some, it is something that in re- previous seasons there have been almost been too nice in that someone would run past you and no one would want to take a yellow card for the team but you know, if they'll tailor that he will take take a booking for the team he'll take a, a sending off if necessary which you know, perhaps that's not been quite as nice and has sort of helped them in their, their playoff push this season Do you think he's playing his best position now Jake Taylor? Because he has played in a few positions hasn't he in his career so far I, I actually, you know, he's playing so well there, but I think his best position is sort of probably more of the Ollie Watkins role, you know, just sort of behind the striker in a central attacking midfield place. You know, that, that sort of suits his attacking abilities as well. Cause he, he has sort of, I wouldn't say he's, he's sort of been blunted in attack because he has tipped in quite a few goals, but he, he sort of can't get forward as much as he, he'd perhaps want a player like Jake Taylor to be able to with his attacking abilities, so, you know. I've actually been thinking for a while that you know if Ollie Watkins does, does get sold in the summer, they've got a perfect replacement there, and, and Jake Taylor to just sort of sort of sit in front of the two holding midfielders. Mm. Could you two see that happening? Do you think? It's way he sort of he started when he played a little bit up at Reading as well, just as an attacking midfielder. I mean, you'd be very different to Watkins. Watkins, he kind of feels more likely to be able to give you a moment of magic from nothing, wanting to drive and sort of run from you know, 50 yards up the pitch beating players so on well Taylor you can't quite see he's got that in his game but 
might be a bit more consistent. You sort of you know know a little bit more what you're going to expect from him. He's got a good shot on him. He's got good energy around the pitch. Sort of links up well, sort of with a lot of the players. And can put the ball in the box as well from from set pieces. So you know it could be a a position to to try him out. And if Watkins wasn't available, you'd obviously then would need Portis to perhaps dip into the transfer market or the free transfer market just to see who else could provide that kind of energy in the centre of midfield because that would be could be something that's lacking if he's playing further forward. Perhaps he thinks Jordan Tilson could come and do a, a similar kind of perhaps more defensive than Jake Taylor role. But you know, he has played pretty well in that centre of midfield this season and you kind of feel that you could play a bit further forward, but unless you you're happy with a replacement, you want to keep him where he's playing. You know, he's, he could play out wide. You feel, you feel as well if if David Wheeler was to was to go in the summer, was to, or you know to miss a game through injury, you could shove shunt him out onto the wing, and you wouldn't feel as if he'd let you down, and you feel you lose too much from him there. So being able to cover several positions is is a trait that's obviously pretty good in a player to have. Jamie, Jay Taylor, is he in his best position now, do you think? Or? Yeah, I was going to say, Tisdale does have you know, a bit of a reputation for changing players' positions. Um, you know, Harley's playing on the left a lot now. He used to be pretty much where Taylor was in the centre of midfield, and I think as a result he's dropped in terms of his perhaps attacking play and his goals have um, cut, slowed down a bit. But... Um, I think this season, yeah, I think we've got the best out of him in terms of, you know, he, okay, he doesn't score as many as perhaps he would like, but he does get stuck in and, you know, makes things happen, which you need in, you know, in the midfield. As I said earlier, we don't really have that midfielder. I think that, you know, takes one for the team, as Dan said, and, and gets stuck in. So, you know, I think he's got used to that position and, yeah, I think he's, he's made the most of it, definitely. Right, okay, well, should we um, have a listen to uh, Ryan Harley's reaction from the, um, the game at the weekend? We'll see what uh, he has to say and then uh, pick it up afterwards. Tough game. Um, obviously, they're a decent side, but um, take the point and move on. And they probably had chances they could have scored, but at the time when they scored, we thought we were okay. It just shows you can't switch off at any point. Um, but yeah, decent side, so points okay. And, uh, you know, not many people are going to come here and get many points, are they? Um, I hope they will, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll see what happens. But yeah, they're a decent side. Put us on the back foot the first half. Second half, we got to grips with it and thought we were, we were quite good second half. And uh, you yeah, next week, is it a case of just continuing your good home form at the moment? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. It's um, another big game, eight games to go now. So um, we've got to get a victory and tick that one off. Um, but it's a, it's a derby game. It's just, I mean, they're, they're all tough. We don't have any easy games. It's going to be another tough game. So we look forward to that one. And uh, with, with their games, it all looks like it's going to go down to the wire at the moment. That's the way it's looking, yeah. Um, hopefully we can, tick, we can get on a nice little run um, and push up to the you know, as high as we can in the league and see where it takes us. Right, there we go. So Ryan Harley's thoughts on the, um, on the game. One, um, one final uh, point we're going to pick up on was um, Ollie Watkins in the uh, team of the year. Now, David, you were asked to vote in this thing, I'm right in saying, are you? Although yeah. you weren't allowed to... <laughs> for Exeter City players, I think. No, I'm no. We each sort of club nominated a, a journalist, um, sort of local journalist, to to vote on uh, on the, the sort of team, the, the players in the team that they, they think they well that have impressed them over the season. 
and uh, but you weren't allowed to vote for the the player for a player from your your own club. Yeah, Ollie Watkins made it on the left wing, which is fair fair choice. Do you think? I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he he was in such great form, you know, the the back end of last year and the, the sort of start of this year that I think it was impossible to ignore him. And you know, he's such a high profile player for League Two now that it's it's sort of he was if, if any City player was going to get in, it was going to be him or maybe maybe David Wheeler. But you know, you look at the the rest of the team they, they've got, especially up front with with Matt Gordon, who scored the most goals in in Europe in this calendar year, and John Marquis, who's you know, is leading the line while for Doncaster, and uh, Watkins is probably the the one who'd be most likely to get in. Yeah, mm. Jamie, would you agree with that, Ollie Watkins? Yeah, it's a no-brainer for me. I think if there was going to be a City player, it would be him. Um, I think he's probably going to, you know, be named Player of the Year, Player of the Season for for City. I think the goals he scored, um, important goals, fantastic goals as well. Um, you know, and the fact that he's been linked with high-profile championship Premier League clubs shows you know that he's highly highly thought of and um, you know I think he had a bit of a quiet start to the season um, and then you know out of nowhere I think just that one goal gives you that confidence and he's just gone on from there you know he's called hat-tricks against Newport and um, you know he's just and he's still young as well and you know one of our own as they say as well which you know, makes the club proud, and yeah, I, yeah. If there's one player I'd pick as a neutral, it'd be mm-hmm. Ollie Watkins, definitely. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the the money men at the club will also be looking at that mm-hmm. and sort of rubbing their hands together, sort of thinking that's you know Ollie Watkins' team of the season that we can probably ask for another couple hundred thousand pounds in the summer if anyone does come in for him. Because if you're looking, you know, team of the season, that's you know the best players in the division and you look at what some of the uh, the other players from the division who moved up in to the higher di- you know, up to the championship premiership and beyond have gone for in recent times you sort of you know got to think got to be thinking yeah one million two million plus for Watkins and, and this is just something else Exeter can use as as a bargaining tool I guess if they you know the bids did come in to sort of try and drive that price up as much as we can by saying look it's one of the best players in the division you need to give us the money that merits that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, Jamie, that slightly slow start the Watkins had to the mm-hmm. season. I mean, was there? Do you think there was a concern that perhaps that his form at the tail end of the previous season had been a little bit of a flash in the pan, or were you sort of always confident that um, he had the, the quality? Yeah, I guess so. I think just what I remember from last season really is that goal against our goal, which was one of the best I've seen at the park. Um, you know, perhaps being. Young, um, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it got to his head. I don't know. Maybe um, the pressure was was coming to him. I think when a city fan sees a young player coming through the academy, they instantly expect good things from him. You look at Matt Grimes and and so on. But um, you know, I think it was a difficult start to the season. Obviously, the team weren't scoring many goals. Um, Tisdale didn't really know his strongest partnership. He was trying it up, and obviously Ruben Reed came in in September. Um, but he's worked so well with Ruben. I think he's brought the best out of him in a way. You know the way those two link up together. And um, but yeah, like I said, to be young and 
to have that confidence to, to drive the team forward and, and score as many goals as he has and, and excellent goals as well. It's really show he's, he's matured already, I think. I think at the start of the season he was a marked man as well. I mean, he still is out, but you, you know, when he burst into the scene at the end of last season, sort of midway through last season, no one from any other club in the, in the division probably had much of an idea of who he was or his strengths and weaknesses, but you know, after such a, a great end to the season, um, and you know, a summer where it was rumoured he might be leading to Brentford, I think a lot of clubs might have thought, well, hang on, this is a player we've got to pay a bit more attention to. You know, there are a few games where you had two people marking him, for example. And as a young player, because let's not forget he is only 21 now, as a young player, it's it's probably quite difficult to go from being afforded the freedom he was at the end of last season to uh, to suddenly finding two players on you. But, you know, he's sort of adapted quite well to it now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can tell us, David, but who did you vote for in the in the team? And um, I can't remember the whole team. I think I got about six players or five players in the manager. Uh, the manager was Darren Ferguson in the side that I voted for, which I'm I'm quite pleased with. It shows my memory of football games has held up pretty well. <laughs> uh, one player I was pleased to see make it in was uh, was James Coppinger in midfield because you know he's he's obviously an ex City player and. Despite the fact he's obviously getting on a bit now, he I felt he he ran the show for Doncaster when when they played at St James's Park, and uh, obviously it seems like he's been doing that across the season. Any glaring omissions? Oh, difficult, really. I don't I don't think so. Um, there is a I, there is a winger on loan from Chelsea at Crew whose name has actually escaped me now. Alex Kiwomia? Yeah, Alex Kiwomia, yeah. He had a brilliant start of the season. I was really impressed with him uh, when when City played at, at Gresty Road, but um, uh, Crew have sort of dropped off quite a bit since then, so I suppose he's obviously struggled to for consistency, really. But apart from that, there's no one I sort of looked at the, the team and, pra- and thought, oh, perhaps they should be in there. I think... Um, John Akindo maybe from Barnet, but uh, Matt Gordon's been playing so well. I mean, two former absolute strikers, so they're both close to my heart. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Matt Gordon's been playing so well that I think Akindo would have would have struggled to get mm-hmm. in. And uh, you know, Matt Gordon's obviously made a step up in the Conference South in the summer, whereas Akindo sort of been in League Two for a couple of seasons now, and everyone sort of knows their strengths and weaknesses. They've probably been a, a little less surprised by his his sort of qualities. But you know, Matt Gordon scored a lot of goals this season. But when Stevenage came to St James's Park a few weeks ago, I can't remember Gordon being in the game at all. Which perhaps says a lot about Jordan Watteau and Troy Brown's performance that day. That this is a guy who scored so many goals this season in such a great form. A back end season, been voted Team of the Year, and Exeter gave him absolutely nothing on the day, and he gave absolutely you know struggled to produce anything back, and that's. I guess another big tick for, for Paul Tisdale and the Exeter City defence that there's this guy, the hottest marksman in Europe, and when we played against him, he did absolutely nothing. Yes, and that's you know, a good, you know, shows a lot of how Moore Taylor and Troy Brown handled him that, that, that day. And I suppose a lot of the League Two's top goal scorers, have, you know, Omar Bogle from Grimsby was scoring goals for fun, and Exeter didn't give him a sniff in either game as well. So. It shows that they have got a handle on some of the the top players in this division, and I think it bodes well for you know City do make the playoffs. It, it, it bodes well for that, to be honest. That you know they they are mm. able to keep these players quiet. I mean, 
although Danny Hilton scored for, for Luton on Saturday and he's a, obviously a, a well-known striker he didn't have too many chances himself which I think as you say it sort of shows that, that City can handle these these big players which you know come the end of the season could, could prove crucial Great stuff well brilliant thanks very much for joining us on uh, Grecian's Gossip and uh, we'll be back with another podcast later on in the week